Welcome to Alive and Active Life, broadcasting encouragement to live your daily life with God's help and inspiration to reach for more of God by faith. Join Brenda Wolf for today's practical insights. What situation comes to your mind when you hear that old saying, God has a sense of humor? I have numerous scenarios that come to my mind. Oddly, it seems God's humor is at play more often than we realize, and it's a brilliant sense of humor. As humans, we try to develop a sense of humor, especially in teen years. And since we are made in God's image, the quality of humor is there to be developed. I want to take a look at God's humor as we continue part two of our scripture dissection of 1 Kings chapter 18. You can check out part one that was in a recent episode called God's Timing. So, tear into it with God's humor. And you know, first I would suggest to you to take a look at the episode that we had, Tear Into It. That episode explains how and why we introduce scripture dissection exercises every few weeks in our article rotation. But to tear into God's humor today, let's continue the story from part one, which was God's timing, also a recent episode. Now, God's timing sets the stage for today's content. Look up 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40 in your Bible for a full story. For this content's purposes, here is a bullet backstory of developments in my words. First of all, from part one, God's timing. That was verses 1 through 19. We learn that Elijah has a lot of courage. He literally tells King Ahab what to do and how. Today's portion, we learn Ahab follows Elijah's orders. That's an improvement for Ahab, who previously scoured the country to kill Elijah. Gathered at Mount Carmel are Israel, 450 Baal, and 400 Asherah prophets. That's a total of 850 prophets. King Ahab, Elijah, and God. Elijah applies a bit of humor as he confronts the people about their double-mindedness. He says, perhaps with a smile, How long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? Then he challenges them to make up their minds definitively who they will serve. In other words, he's saying, stop being lukewarm. That's in verse 21 and again in Revelation 3 verse 16. Now, The bet is on. He, one prophet, takes on 450 Baal prophets in a contest. There's some risk involved in that. Would you do that? Seriously? One against 450? Elijah lets them choose a bull for their altar. But he gives a contest rule. No fire, not yet. He says this contest is to see whose God responds with fire to burn up the sacrifice. The people agree this is a fair test. Baal prophets go first. 
Incidentally, from morning till noon, they jump around the altar, crying out to their God. That's half a work day. Would you do that? Seriously? At lunchtime, Elijah uses humor again and mocks their ridiculousness. Yell louder! After all, he is a god. He may be deep in thought, or perhaps he stepped out for a moment, or has taken a trip. Perhaps he is sleeping and needs to be awakened. Verse 27. Loud yelling follows, then cutting themselves till there's more blood from them than from the bull on the altar to be burned up. All afternoon, those prophets work into a frenzy. What happens next? Nothing. Then the story turns. Elijah calmly calls the people to himself, perhaps chuckling just a bit. And he takes a huge risk in this contest, perhaps thinking, what if God doesn't answer? What if he doesn't show up when I call for him in front of all these people? By the way, this is a similar risk Elijah asks Obadiah to take in step one, God's timing. First, Elijah simply speaks the very invitation God gives, which is this, Come near to me. That's in verse 30 in this chapter and also in James 4, 8. And again, we're in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Elijah wants the people and prophets to see God and respond definitively to him. Then he repairs the altar of God. And notice the word that is used in the chapter. He repairs it. It was in disrepair. This is the place where people could come near to God and connect with Him in their hearts. So Elijah, first, builds it back up. Second, places the sacrifice on it. Third, tells the people to pour lots of water over the sacrifice and altar with a trench to catch all the extra water. Then fourth, he says, add more water. And then fifth, For the third time, he says, add more water still. And then the sixth point, and this is really just another display of God's incredible humor. God is basically saying in so many words, make this scenario just a little more impossible, and then I'll show up. Now Elijah simply prays. He reinforces God is all he claims. Then he affirms. He is God's servant. And he closes with, Answer me, so the people will see and believe. Whammo! God targets the sacrifice with fire, which burns everything up, including the water in the trench. Everybody back up. Okay, now we're going to dissect all of this information about God's humor. Remember, with each scripture dissection, we engage four focuses. First, we look at what does it say? Second, what does it mean? Third, make it personal. And fourth, make a commitment. So starting with what does it say? This story contains precious reminders of God and His eternal principles. Incidentally, this includes not only His power and justice, but also His love and His sense of humor. 
Without any effort, God reinforces his claims. At the same time, he affirms Elijah is his faithful servant. Both those are answers to Elijah's prayer. First of all, God reinforces his claims, and he affirms that Elijah is his faithful servant. Those are things Elijah prayed for. Then further, God calls the people, come near to me. And ultimately, he does all this with delightful humor through a contest. Even Elijah's words to the people engage, perhaps borrow, some of God's humor. Coincidentally, there's another thread in this story, and it presents an order to God's involvement. First of all, God asks you to trust, obey, and sometimes sacrifice something. And then he responds to your faith. He shows up strongly, and he helps you, honors your faith, blesses your obedience, and multiplies any sacrifice that you have made on his behalf. After all, the truth at the root is this. I desire mercy and steadfast love, not sacrifice. From Hosea 6, verse 6. Jesus repeats this verse in Matthew 12, verse 7. So, God's order of response, indeed, involves man's decisions, your decisions. Again, first, he asks you to trust and obey and sometimes sacrifice something. And then he responds to your faith and he shows up strongly. All right, so that was all under the section, what does it say? Now let's look at what does it mean? Everything that we talked about from that passage that was in 1 Kings chapter 18. What does it mean? Truly a great conclusion is this. God is real. He is present in the affairs of man. He will not sacrifice his essence just to prove something to man, even if a man dares him to. His self-awareness and self-knowledge is intact. Incidentally, this means he doesn't have to explain himself to people, and he doesn't have to defend himself. Rather, he pours himself into strategies that help people grow in faith, know his power, trust his goodness, and relax in his love. God is confident in his power and his mercy. He loves his people and invites them continually, come near to me. But he also holds calmly to who he is and what he is capable of doing. He has nothing to prove. Subsequently, everything God does is careful, measured, truthful, powerful, merciful, and even engages the real stuff of everyday life, including human humor, which incidentally comes from God since we are made in his image. In other words, God is in control. So that's some information, some thoughts about what does it mean. The next thing we're going to look at is make it personal. I don't know about you, but I see all kinds of ways to make these messages personal. But let's be creative and begin with, God is for you. He invites you to come near to me. He wants to act on your behalf. But as we already noted, there is an order to this. First, God asks you to trust, obey, 
and sometimes sacrifice something. Are you doing this? Then he responds to your faith. He shows up strongly. Wait for it. There is no limit to how God will help you when you adopt that order, his order. His deep love for you means he will use his power and resources on your behalf, even when you suffer in this life. And you will. It's a broken world. Our fault, not God's. He promises to carry you through everything. He will lift you up if you let him. And he will use your lovely life to bring glory to himself. All right, moving on from make it personal to make a commitment. And this is the application portion with thoughts and questions for you. From part one, which we mentioned earlier, God's timing, we discussed three responses that God wants from his children. Number one is trusting him deeply. Two was obeying him severely. And three is loving him passionately. And if you want to know more about those, we actually go into quite a bit of detail explaining all those words. Again, God's timing is the episode you're looking for. But again, those three portions are to trust him deeply, obey him severely, and love him passionately. So now, the commitment application on today's content. Number one, do you open your heart daily to receive what God wants to reveal about himself, about his power, his mercy, and his love for you? Number two, what specific action steps are you taking to come near to me, which is God's invitation? Be specific about how you will respond to him. Three, did you know God has a sense of humor? And since you are made in his image, so do you. Four, whenever possible, do you speak God's words to encourage people, including yourself? to come near to him? Five, does your life, every thought, word, and action give credibility to God's holy essence? Number six, is your life goal to lift God up and honor him? Seven, since God has clearly proved his essence, goodness, and love, do you willingly follow his order and take the next step to trust obey, and sometimes sacrifice something. Number eight, after you do that from your heart, you can know that God will show up and honor your faith. And then number nine, the final point, I want to challenge you to trust God deeply, to obey him severely, and to love him passionately. Now, I want to bring out a really important point In case you hadn't noticed, we still haven't gotten to God's resolution of the famine yet. But stay tuned. I invite you to follow us on your favorite social media. Do sign up on our email list to receive weekly articles. Plus, tune in to our weekly podcast using your preferred podcast app, or you can use the online player at the top of each article. Visit our website for resources to get into God's Word and live an alive and active life. You've been listening to Brenda Wolf. 
with a live and active life. Visit our website at www.aliveandactivelife.org, your web-based home for resources, including books and e-books, libraries of articles, podcasts, and more as you navigate life's challenges and issues. Sign up on our email list and subscribe to our podcast to stay current with the tools you need to be the person God designed, living an alive and active life.